She's a pioneer here at VCDC. And everything you see going on right here, this is because of what this woman <laughs> established and laid many years ago. So just know that, that I want to honor her tonight because I'm really excited for her to be here. It's really special. So um, I don't know so what else sweet. to say about you because oh, you're so amazing. So, so just sweet. give her a warm welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, are these yours? Are these your glasses? <laughs> that can stay back there, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I don't know who. Oh, look at this. People are standing up. I'm going <laughs> to. You guys are too sweet. Oh, that just blesses me. I'm sitting, I'm laughing, thinking, who is Vicki talking about? You know, about looking around, you know. But anyway, I am so honored to be here tonight. One of the things, I've always loved women, women's ministry. I've always just loved seeing women built up and encouraged with the Word of God, getting women into the Word of God, and really challenging women that they can be leaders, that they can be used by God in the church. And I just love watching women rise up. It was something that God put on my heart early on. And it's so much fun just to be at a women's event. I can't do the, the Sunday morning services these days, but I can do a one service like this occasionally. But, you know, as I was sitting over here tonight with worship, I just felt God's presence so strong. Did you guys feel that? Could you sense the presence of the Holy Spirit? You know, it's important that we learn to sense his presence. And I just really sensed his presence so, so much as we were worshiping. One of the things that I just kept feeling is that God was looking down at all of you and just smiling with pleasure. That, and, and it came to me that you came out on a Friday night to get into the Word of God, to worship Him, to get into the Word of God and to fellowship with one another and how pleased He was with that. That just, it just kept hitting me so strong as I was sitting over there that every single one of you are so welcome here tonight. He's thrilled that you came out tonight. And I just saw this big head of God looking over us, and, and he was smiling with pleasure over every one of us. And the other thing that I felt like he was pleased about was the fact that you guys are pressing into this topic of prayer this summer. You know, prayer, it's one of those topics that, well, let's just be honest, prayer is tough. Prayer is tough. I, you know, I talk to women, I talk to men all the time that tell me that they just don't feel that they pray enough. And I want to get that out on the table right now because, um, I don't know, it's been several years ago now, I took a course, it was about a year-long course down in Cincinnati, it was a course on spiritual formation, and basically it was to help people grow in their spiritual life, to help them grow in basically in their prayer lives. And one of the things that I found from talking to people over and over again was that most people just really struggle in prayer. 
You know, is there anybody, now don't raise your hands, but is there anybody here that doesn't struggle in prayer, that you think, I've got it together in that area? Is there anybody? Now don't raise your hands, because we'll all be jealous, you know, and we'll all be mad at you, you know. But, you know, there's usually a couple of women in every church that are the intercessors. You know, they pray and they know how to do it, but the rest of us just feel like, I'm just not very good at this. You know, let's just get it out on, out on the table, you know. But one of the, one of the quotes when I was um, taking this course down in Cincinnati um, that we used a lot, it was one, from one of the, the uh, Desert Fathers. They don't really know who said this, but it, was, it goes like this, pray as you can, not as you can't. Pray as you can, not as you can't. In other words, you know, we're all at different seasons of life. You know, I'm 65 years old now, and I've lived a lot of seasons. And there are some seasons where you can barely hold your head above water. I remember those years when I had three little kids home, and they nobody, you know, they were all preschoolers, and one was a newborn, and one was a toddler, and just feeling like, I don't think I'll ever be able to spend time with the Lord again. You know, I would get up early in the morning and go and, and think, okay, I'm going to beat them up, you know, I, you know time-wise. <laughs> I'm going to get up. <laughs> you feel like beating them up. No, but I'm going to get up really early in the morning, an hour before they get up, and I'm going to go spend some time with the Lord. And I used to laugh to Danny and say, you know, it's like they feel the air moving. I'm, I'm tiptoeing down the stairs, and they know I'm up. And they're all of a sudden, they're up with me, you know, and they're wanting their breakfast, and they're wanting this and that. And, you know, the Lord began to show me during that time that there was just so much grace. There is so much grace for us. And I remember um, one day, I was just struggling with that, and I was so frustrated. And he said, I, I just felt God say, there is grace here for you. And he said, put the kids in the wagon, take them for a walk, and talk to me while you're on a walk with the kids. And I thought, is that legal? You know, you don't have to sit down with your hands folded, you know, or get on your knees and do... We have all these funny ideas about prayer. You know, prayer is just communing with God in some kind of form. It might even be complete silence in his presence. And I've learned all kinds of ways to pray. Don't get in a rut with your prayer life. Just begin to explore new ways of praying. You know, even writing your prayer. If you have a mind like mine, I have a mind that goes really fast and I'm always thinking of all these different things and I want my mind wanders off when I'm praying and the next thing I'm thinking about my grocery list <laughs> or whatever. And one of the things I found is sometimes just to write out my prayers. That helps a lot to stay on topic. But you know what prayer does? It helps us to see things from God's perspective rather than our perspective. When we come into his presence at all and just 
begin to try to communicate with him, it really does change our perspective. It's amazing. When I am just looking at the circumstances from my perspective, how sometimes discouraging things can be, but when I begin to look at things from God's perspective, it really does change the way that I view things. And so what we're going to do tonight... <clears throat> We're going to look at this beautiful, one of the most beautiful prayers in the scripture. And this is Jesus's very last prayer. And it's a long, long prayer. And I could spend a long, long time talking about it. I'm just going to hit on a few of the highlights because we could spend weeks talking about this prayer. This prayer is so powerful and it's so beautiful just to think that our Lord Jesus actually prayed this prayer, and he prayed this prayer for us. I mean, it's pretty amazing, the things he's praying for us. So what I want to do, I want us to turn to John 17 in your Bibles. If you have a Bible, uh, and there's a few Bibles on the stage if you don't have one, or you can look along, you know, along with someone at your table and uh, follow along with this prayer that Jesus prayed. But we're not going to focus on the whole prayer. We're just going to look at part of it. And let's see, where is Vicki right now? I need to know, what time am I supposed to be done? I didn't, well, I didn't look at the time. I, okay, I'll try to, what's that? Okay, I was going to say, if you don't give me a time, we're going to be here a long time. <laughs> you, you have to give me a time. But let's just pray real quick. I need the Lord to be with me. It's been an absolutely crazy week like it has been for a lot of you. So let's just pray. Lord, we thank you that you're here with us. Thank you that you're smiling on us. And Lord, as we open your word... Speak your truth to us, O oh God. Speak your truth to us. Open our hearts, open our minds, encourage us and help us in this area. And Lord, we just pray that you would be glorified. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, um, now in John 17, basically there's three um, things. There's three basic things that Jesus prays for in this prayer. And he begins praying, number one, just for himself. He's praying and he's talking to the Father about his own relationship. And let me just set the stage for you a little bit so you'll understand what's going on. See, Jesus had just met with the disciples and had the big, remember the, the Passover meal where they had the Last Supper and there's all the paintings, you know, uh, of the Last Supper and all of that. Well, they, they had just had this. And then Jesus in John, this is so powerful. The last few chapters in the book of John are so powerful about Jesus's last words to us. He knows that he's going to the cross within hours. Now, they don't quite get it yet. They keep saying, now, where are you going? And, and all of that. But he knows these are some of his very last words. And so the, the, a person's last words are really important. And those last three or four chapters in the book of John, before chapter 17, are extremely important. He's laying out some things 
to the disciples to help them after he's gone. Extremely important words. And so he's putting this, uh, he's trying to um, underline some things for the disciples. All right. And, you know, I was thinking about that. And in my life, I have thought about that a lot. You know, some of you know me and you know kind of what I've been going through. Some of you don't know me that well and you don't know, you know, anything about me. But about four and a half years ago, and this is the quickie version, I was in a, a very bad car accident where I probably shouldn't have lived. And then through the healing, through the, you know, the, the healing process of this car accident, they discovered that I had an incurable blood cancer. It's, it's multiple myeloma, and it's under the blood cancers. And, you know, it was just sort of this double whammy that came at me. My life just exploded overnight, just completely. My life as I knew it just completely exploded overnight. And so one of the things that I've experienced is that feeling of this may be my last time. I've had that so many times where this may be my last Christmas. This may be my last Easter. This may be, you know, and I'll think about that a lot. And what is it that I want to get across to the people that will be here even tonight? This may be my last time to talk to you women. And don't, don't worry. I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried at all. I know some people say, don't talk that way. And the reality, here's the reality. Did you know that it's really that way for all of us? Every one of us live in that place where we don't know. We do not know. The Bible says our days are numbered and I won't, I won't die and go to heaven a day before God says it's, your days are up, you know, and neither will you. But the reality it causes you when you are diagnosed with a very serious disease like this, you, it, it hits you that you want to weigh your words a little more. And you want to think through, what is it I'm saying? And so I really prayed, Lord, what is it for tonight for the women? And I just kept feeling him talking about this chapter. It was just really cool the way he, he spoke to me about it. But he begins to really pray for himself when, he, when he's with the disciples. And it's kind of cool. Jesus doesn't do the traditional prayer where he, you know, he gets on his knees and all of that, but he's just there sitting at the table with the disciples, and he lifts up his eyes, and he looks up to heaven, and he just starts talking to his father. It's really cool. You just see this incredible sense of relationship that Jesus had with the father. You know, and there's this, when you study about the, the Godhead, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, there is this beautiful circle of love between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. They are constantly living in a way that they can glorify one another, laying down their lives for each other, constantly looking to glorify the other. And so the whole beginning of the prayer is all about how he wants to glorify the Father and how the Father is glorifying him. And in those last few chapters of John, he's talking about how the Holy Spirit is going to be sent to earth. I mean, it's 
a beautiful relationship that they have. And that word glorify is used a lot through this chapter. Let me give you a, de a definition because we throw that word around a lot. But the word glory or to glorify someone means to hold someone up for honor and praise. They are constantly holding the other up for honor and praise. And basically, they're demonstrating for us how we should live with one another. And we're going to get into that here in just a minute. But that's how he wants us to relate to one another, is constantly holding one another up, lifting him up, lifting each other up, building each other up, edifying one another. It's really beautiful in this chapter, the way he tells us uh, to live. But this circle of love, he invites us to be a part of that. Okay, now, let's get into what the scriptures are saying now, because we're not going to talk so much about that first part. The, the part that we're going to really start focusing on is verse 9. And this is not a prayer that he's praying for the whole world. He's praying just for these guys in the room right now, okay? He's not praying for the salvation of the whole world at this point. He's praying for them because he knows he's leaving them. And this is really powerful. Starting with verse 9, Jesus says, and he's looking up to, to heaven. He's looking up to his Father, and he says, I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours and all you have is mine and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name the name that you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. We're going to see that he's going to pray protection and he's going to pray this oneness prayer over and over again. This is really important to the heart of the Lord that we're protected, but that we're also unified and that we're one with one another. And then he goes on and he says, while I was with them, I protected them and I kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction that the scriptures would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them, that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. You see, Jesus is praying for these guys that they will have the same joy that he has that they'll have it within them. See, Jesus has this incredible joy within him, and he's praying that the disciples will have the same kind of joy. The word joy, it's in the Greek, it literally means delight, great rejoicing, and pleasure. You see, the one who actually created joy 
is praying now that they can have the same kind of joy that he has. And let's just focus on that just for a minute. You know, what is that? What is that that he wants his followers to have? What what does that look like? Does it mean that we're all just giggling and laughing all the time, you know? And I don't think it means that at all. I don't think it means that at all. I think it goes way beyond this world's perspective of joy. It's really different than instant gratification. You know, when we, you know, those, those M&Ms on the table, boy, I love chocolate. And that made me happy when I saw M&Ms on the table. It goes way, way beyond that, that kind of joy. It is not even close to the joy that Jesus is speaking about. There's all kinds of little things that make us joyful, right? But Jesus is talking about something that goes way, way beyond our circumstances, And, you know, our circumstances can change from day to day. I know that. And our chemical makeup can change. You know, our hormonal makeup as women can really change from day to day. And it has nothing to do whatsoever with your circumstances. Absolutely nothing to do with your circumstances. In fact, Jesus, if you look at his circumstances, they were horrendous. I mean, Jesus, from the get-go of his earthly ministry, right when he started stepping out with his earthly ministry, people hated him. I mean, one of his very first sermons, they wanted to take him and throw him off a cliff. You know, and they were constantly hating him. The religious leaders of the day were always after him, constantly after him to basically murder him, to knock him off the face of the earth. You know, this very night, this very night when Jesus is praying for the disciples, did you know that he knows that he's going to walk out of that room, he's going to go right outside Go across the Kidron Valley, and there is the Mount of Olives. You can see the Mount of Olives from the place where they had the Last Supper. It's just a short walk. And he's going to go right over there. As soon as he gets there, his good friend Judas is going to betray him. They're going to take him and arrest him. They're going to lock him up. He, He will be beat. He'll be spat upon. He'll be mocked. And eventually, within hours, within just a day or two, he's going to the cross to die for every single one of us for our sins that he didn't even commit. He knows that. But here he is talking about this joy that he has within him. And he's praying for that same joy to be in the heart and the soul of his disciples. Now, where does joy like that come from? Where does that, I mean, who has that kind of joy? You know, to be honest, I really do believe it's an inner joy that only comes from the Father. See, Jesus is talking to his Father, and I think the Father is lifting Jesus at this point 
above the circumstances. It is a joy that is above the circumstances. Again, it has nothing to do with our circumstances. And it's a joy that only God can use for his glory. God can use that for his glory. You know, and I thought, over these last four and a half years, it, it, we've walked through some really tough things. But in a sense, this has been probably the most peaceful and joyful time of my life. And I mean that. I have experienced the joy of the Lord in a way that I have never experienced in my entire life. Danny and I talk about that a lot. We've both experienced that. And I remember when I was first diagnosed with this multiple myeloma, and they said, there's no cure for this apart from, you know, and I knew apart from God doing intervening. Um, they said, you know, and they, they were telling me about how long the you know, treatment was going to be and how hard and everything. And immediately this book came to, to mind that I had read years ago, and it's called Don't Waste Your Sorrows. Now, I don't even remember that book that much, but I've never forgotten the title, Don't Waste Your Sorrows. You see, a lot of us, we live our lives wasting our sorrows. We waste our sorrows with getting bitter, getting anxious, you know, all the things that getting very negative about what's happening. And I remember at that moment that it was like the Lord just flashed that book, right? You know, right before my eyes. And I said, oh God, help me not to waste this time. I don't know how long I'm going to live. I, I have no idea. I may live to a ripe old age. I have no idea, but help me not to waste this time. Use this time in my life for your glory. Use it, oh God. And I begin to pray that every day. Lord, don't waste this time. Help me not to waste this time. Use it. Use it for your glory. And I have had so many weird circumstances that, you know, they're just almost comical, some of the things that happen with... I'm very sensitive to the chemo that I'm on, and I have all these weird reactions. One of the ones I was thinking about was over Easter weekend. I, um, I love Easter. It's my favorite holiday. And I, we, we had all these things planned as a family. We were going to have a big Passover meal, and then we were going to have a big, you know, Sunday Easter egg hunt. Going to church on Easter Sunday is one of my favorite times to go to church where we can celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Well, Thursday night, all of a sudden, I had a weird reaction to the chemo that I'm on. And I had a high fever, and I'm sick as can be. And they, you know, we called the doctor. He said, get to the ER right now up here at the James. And I, I just didn't even want to go. I'm arguing with Danny because I thought, no, I'm going to be here for Easter, you know. <laughs> and Danny said, Penny, you need to go. You need to go. And finally, I said, okay. And they, of course, admitted me into the hospital. And I was just feeling really not very happy, to be honest. You know, have, do you ever get into this self-pity trip? You know what I'm talking about where you go, why me? And, and when you first do it, have you noticed how it feels kind of good? You know, you can kind of go, 
wow, nobody has it as bad as me. And we start, this isn't fair. Just like little kids, it's not fair, you know. And, and we can start doing that. And one of the things that I found is that if I give in to that, I go down a really bad path. It's like going down that proverbial rabbit hole, you know. And what happens, we get down that hole and we get caught in a well, in, in just a web of negativism that we can't get out of. And so the Lord has told me over and over again to nip that in the bud. When I start having those negative thoughts, just to stop right then and go, no, God, use this for your glory Help me not to waste my sorrows. And I did that in the hospital. I remember just all of a sudden, I thought, this is really a matter of surrender. I've got to surrender all my happy plans that I wanted to have to, you, to the Lord. And I just said, Lord, okay, okay, I don't get it. But I surrender. I surrender to your will. What you want. I, I was in the hospital for several days. But did you know this incredible joy that I knew was supernatural came over me. I mean, it was amazing, amazing. And I just said, well, God, you know, if, if you have somebody for me to minister to in the hospital or whatever, just use it for your glory. And he did. He did. It was really amazing. And I want to encourage you that that's the kind of joy Jesus wants to give you. And I'm not talking about that we never feel sad. Some of you are walking through some hard things. Some of you are walking through grief right now, and we do walk through grief. But even in the midst of those hard things that we have to go through, I really do believe that Jesus desires to give us peace. He desires to give us joy in the midst of that. Is that making sense to you guys? Yeah, it, it makes no sense from a human perspective at all. It, it is completely supernatural. He raises us above what's going on here on earth. And I am running out of time. And let me run through this last part. Okay, let me just run through this last little bit here. Let's talk about protection really quick. This ties in with this whole thing of joy. That you know, He's praying for this joy for the disciples. And did you know that people see that in us? People will see that joy and that peace within you. They will see it. And I think that that's what draws people to Jesus. It really does. Okay, now let me read this next part, starting with verse 14, protection. He says, I have given them your word. He's still talking to his father, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. He's praying that we will be protected from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly 
sanctified. Okay, now there is a lot here, and we're just going to skim the surface. We're just going to skim the surface. You know, what does this mean that he's going to protect us? Does this mean that we're never going to have anything go wrong? No, absolutely not. I mean, you live life, and you realize that things just go wrong. In fact, in the chapter, chapter 16, right before this, Jesus is telling the disciples, this world is filled with trial and tribulation. You know, you read the Bible. You know, have you ever read the Bible? You read the Bible, everybody in the Bible suffers. Have you ever noticed that? And then we're so shocked when we suffer. We're like, that's not supposed to happen to me. I'm a Christian. You know, but you read about every single follower of Jesus, and they go through trials. I mean, that's what this world has to offer us. It really does. But Jesus said, I have overcome the world. And we lean on him for strength. We will have trials and tribulations. We just will. You live life for any time at all, and we're going to have trials. But you know what? I believe that Jesus is praying protection for, he's praying protection for our faith. That we can be with him, that we can stand strong with our, with our faith and be with him throughout all 